This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. I want to hear from you on this Labor Day about your own unique story of what you've done as a professional, an employee, a worker. Have you been on the job with the same employer for decades or have you moved around or pulled back from full-time employment as you've aged? And what about changing careers or going back to school in midlife? Let's have a conversation about working in our Zoomer years today, right through 1 o'clock. The phone lines are open, 416-360-0740, or toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Joining me to discuss the evolution of working as we age is Sean Mullen, Executive Director of the Brookfield Institute at Ryerson. Thanks for joining us on this Labor Day, Sean. Uh, Pleased to be here. What are some of the challenges older workers face in the workplace? Uh, Well, some of the work that we've done at at our institute, and we looked at kind of the economic implications of the shift to an innovation-driven economy, um, the the changes that technology technology, um, has on on work. And um, what we've looked at is, uh, kind of the the emergence of technologies, some very simple like uh, phone banking or 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 uh, call systems uh, to to things very complicated like the introduction of artificial intelligence, and we're kind of looking at the susceptibility of uh, people who are currently in the workforce to these types of changes. Who stays relevant? Uh, whose jobs um, get enhanced, whose jobs get eliminated. And certainly this is something that older workers would not be immune uh, from as well. Can you give us some examples of uh, a situation where technology has made it redundant for certain employees, technology has taken over, computers have taken over the jobs of actual people? For sure. I mean, um, so you can look at a lot of um, what used to be uh, customer service oriented jobs uh, in uh, um, from a phone bank perspective. So there's still people uh, that get employed in a customer service role for a large company, uh, but a lot of the front end, a lot of the job, uh, sorry, a lot of the calls uh, get handed uh, get handled through kind of automated systems. So. Uh, we all know about, you know, press one for uh, uh, for Department X, but uh, even more so, they're they're evolving towards um, voice recognition type um, systems where they can uh, try and deal with, you know, 85, 90 percent of uh, callers and then um, uh, redirect the remaining 10 percent to to humans. And what that means is uh, the number of people employed in those types of occupations uh, is is declining and, and much more uh, reliance on technology. That's well, I think about I think about frontline uh, bank employees as well. Back, I, re- I remember as a young worker in the early '80s, standing in a lineup with you know three dozen other people at the end of payday, uh, where that you would have a full bank of tellers, and, and now tellers certainly you do see them in the banks, but most of our banking we can do either at a machine or online or on the phone, as you say. That's exactly right. That's a great example where the number of tellers has gone down. The types of things now that a teller does, I mean, they don't even use the word teller anymore because they're much more sophisticated things, right? And and the vast majority of the simple tasks, taking out money, uh, literally taking out cash through an ATM or, or paying bills, you can do online. And so, so the number of people employed in those types of roles has declined. Let's talk about embracing technology. Do most older workers, 50-plus, 60-plus, embrace technology? Is it just a stereotype that it's harder to keep up with technology as we age? 
Well, it's hard. Uh, we, we haven't seen a ton of hard data on this in, in the Canadian context. Um, it's, it, it's certainly if you see things like um, there's ways of measuring adult use of technology and, uh, and comparing Canadian, uh, the Canadian workforce versus um, other OECD countries. And you do see a general trend where um, the, the, the younger demographics are more adept at using um, the latest technologies. They're more likely to be, you know, simple things like the proportion of adults in an age category that use the Internet, for example, on a, on a day-to-day basis. You, you see those numbers declining as the age categories uh, increase. Um, but Canada is not... Uh, terribly bad relative to other OECD countries. It's actually it's actually pretty good, and I think more generally, if you kind of look at the um, uh, that through the lens of a worker, what tends to happen is a lot of older workers um, they tend to make up for these things with experience, and so a lot of the jobs that are getting eliminated by technology they happen to be entry level jobs, mm. very simple things, and so the the irony is. Um, youth entering the workforce, the, the 18 to 24 year old demographic, are actually the most susceptible to this change because the types of jobs that, you know, the first job at a school you get are the ones that are the simplest ones. That they tend to be the ones that are easiest to be automated by technology. Uh, whereas someone who's got 30 years of experience is doing a lot of uh, um, uh, activities that involve judgment and, and human knowledge that are that are hard to um, program into a computer, and so you actually get this scenario where, uh, although adoption of technology amongst older workers is not necessarily higher, because of their experience, because of their uh, tenure in the job. Uh, they tend to be less susceptible to these types of risks. You know, I think back uh, when I was getting into radio um, 35 years ago, really, I mean, the technology of that day was equivalent to the technology that was being used in the 1950s and 60s. And I'm not I'm not kidding when I say that. Uh, So all through the years in my career, and I've been lucky enough to continue working in radio, uh, the technology has just grown in leaps and bounds. When I think back to those early days and how I was using audio and uh, we used typewriters in the newsroom, um, and I'm not that old, (laughs) but I think what has made it easy or in terms of a transition is that those of us who are 50 plus in the radio industry have grown with the technology. So in other words, we had to uh, grasp it, learn it as it was being introduced. If I was to, if say, start my career way back and then leave the industry for 20 years, that would be a much more difficult transition to come back in when technology has passed you by from the old way of doing things. I, I, that's exactly right. And, and we've done work on kind of the kind of baseline digital skills or digital competencies that workers need to be successful in the economy. And there's there's a, there's a number of examples like that. Um, I'll, I'll use something very simple that I think a lot of people are familiar with. In the ad, administrative, clerical, uh, even into accounting um, type worlds, you know, if 25, 30 years ago you were using a program called Microsoft Excel or a spreadsheet for that matter, you were on the cutting edge of technology. Right. Now, if you don't, if you can't make your way around a spreadsheet and you want to do anything in an office setting, I mean, you're at a real disadvantage and it's, it'd be hard to even say that you're, you're, you're qualified for the job. And what did we do? Did we do a whole big kind of crash course on Excel across the country at some point? Uh, not really. I mean, what happened is those people on the job adapted, they learned, they uh, upgraded their skills, and then we, we've we essentially evolved um, to the point where, you know, this is a standard thing now. People realize they have to learn, and there's ways if you need to go and take a course, you can you can do that, but um, but you can also do a lot of this learning by uh, by experimentation and learning from your colleagues as well. 
It's Jane Brown for Libby Snymer. Today on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back, we are live here at the Zoomerplex speaking with Sean Mullen, Executive Director of the Brookfield Institute at Ryerson, about older workers on this Labor Day, an appropriate conversation to have as we talk about workers' rights, where we are at today, where we still have to go. And I'd like to involve you in the conversation as well, especially if you're an older worker and your experiences would be monumental in terms of how you've adapted to technology, uh, what you offer the workplace with your decades of experience, or have you been in situations where you fought ageism and you've been pushed out uh, because of your age or what you feel was related to your age? We have lots of stories, those of us who are 50 plus, so join the conversation, 416-360-0740, toll-free, one 866 740 always makes the conversation more interesting when you have a number of people at the table having a discussion about how times have changed. And, and Sean, on that note, as a manager, how do you make sure your employees continue to move with the times? Sean, are you there? Oh, I think we lost Sean there. By mistake. That's okay. We'll get him back. Um, we are starting to get some calls, which is great. And I want to be able to, you know, I'll get the discussion going here. Uh, way back, as in almost 40 years ago, I began my teenage career as a lifeguard and a swimming instructor. And I loved it, going so far as to compete in competitions across the province, fourth in Ontario in 1984, just saying. Uh, but I knew that this was not the career I wanted to have for my whole life, even though I loved it. Because at that time, I was realistic in knowing that this was not a career I could make a lot of money at or that there would be ongoing and new challenges. So uh, very interested in uh, drama and had done some student radio at my high school uh, in Cambridge. So I applied and was accepted at Ryerson in the fall of 1984, 34 years ago, to study radio and television arts. Uh, Graduated in 1987, started working in Toronto actually during my degree, and I've been lucky enough to be able to work in my field for more than 30 years, and I love it. I absolutely love it because every day brings something new, and that, I find personally, is the joy of this industry. Uh, how about you? 416-360-0740. Toll-free 1-866-740-4740. I've got Sean back. Yes, you there, Sean? Yep, I'm here. Okay, so as just before we get to the callers, and I thank you for calling in. Uh, phones are filling up here. As a manager, how do you make sure your employees continue to move with the times? Well, I think one of the key success points for a manager, and this is a more general point, is how is motivating your employees, um, ensuring that they are um, excited or interested or for, for whatever is driving them to... Uh, we lost Sean again. Is he there? Okay, oh. ca- carry on, Sean. Sorry. Okay, sorry. Uh, so in terms of a manager, I think one of the key things is how you motivate your employees. And in this case, how do you motivate them to ensure that they want to they, they want to embrace technology? They're not afraid of it. And so I think what you need to do is you need to both, uh, you know, not scare them. You don't want to create fear, but they need to understand that, um that the environment is not uh, staying the same, mm-hmm. uh, that technology is always going to be uh, disrupting parts of parts of a job or of work, but then to do it in a way that they have access to the training, uh, the opportunity to experiment, the opportunity to learn from their peers, um, and to ensure that, that, and let them understand there's a path of success uh, and potential promotion or more opportunities if they go down this path of embracing more technology. And, and, and I think that's probably the key uh, role a manager can play in this in this context. I want to get you involved in the discussion, whether you're a manager, an employee, you've switched careers uh, midlife, you're loving what you're doing, and you don't see a time, at least imminently, when you're set to retire. All those calls are welcome. 416-360-0740. Toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Let's go to Diane in Toronto. Hi, Diane. Hi. Am I speaking to Libby or Jane? It's Jane today. Oh, hi, Jane. And I thank you for taking my call. And I just want to let you know, I retired from work two years ago. 
loving my retirement. And I worked at a call center where, you know, we used computers. Mm-hmm. And I just found sometimes uh, it was stressful. I found it very stressful. I'm glad I'm retired. So I, did you find it stressful because the technology was changing while you were on the job and it was difficult yes. to keep up? Yes, for, uh, for one thing. Another, another thing, we talked about customer service. But, so, you know, we have a, it was an inbound call center and we answered for multiple companies. So uh. the call volume at times could be quite high. And they were stressing our statistics and how fast we can take a call. Well, that's not, in my mind, it's not always possible. You know, and I, I just found the whole thing rather stressful. And um, I, as far as my banking is concerned, you know, I, I check my bank balance on my phone and whatever. And, um, but um, I don't have a computer. I'm not saying I never will get one, but uh, I have a boyfriend who is practically married to his computer. <laughs> He's quite into it. And um, I just find some people, they do say of just ordinary things in life that can be pleasant, you know, going for a walk, blah, 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 and all that. Right. But um, I know one time I had to phone my bank and speak to someone personally about a banking issue. And the person I spoke to was very polite, helpful. I was satisfied. And a few days later, I get a call from their call center with a survey. And it was quite frustrating because she was talking quite quickly. I didn't understand what she was saying. And to me... That really wasn't customer service. It was, it was, she was rushing me. And, I, you know, I had to ask her several times to slow down. Right. Well, you know what's interesting, Diane, is that you bring that customer service, that one-on-one experience as somebody who did it for so long and found that to be an important part of the, of the job. Yes. So, Right, where where the technology was replacing what you felt was uh, common decency and politeness and that kind of thing. That's right. And prior to that, I had a job at a wonderful company for 14, well, 12 years, but, but they, they, they were downsizing and I eventually got laid off. And I was a receptionist there. And it was a totally different experience. I was able to speak to people, take my time with them, and not lollygag or anything like that. And to me, that was... All right, Diane. Thank you for calling in. Well, thank you, Dean, and have a wonderful day. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Sean, uh, Diane brings up a very good point that we're losing that um, that one-on-one human interaction in some cases uh, because of innovation and technology. Uh, what she has to say, I would think, would be valuable as we continue to, uh, to move forward because technology is not going away, but we can certainly make it more interactive and human-friendly. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think a classic mistake that happens over and over again is people get excited about the technology and they build some new app or some new uh, uh, some new product and, and they forget about the, the human element. And, uh, you know, the tech industry in particular is, is notoriously bad for this. They're, they're, they're getting better. There's a lot of uh, trends now on focusing on kind of user centered design and, 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 and putting the customer first and companies like Apple have, have really led the forefront on that. And so I think what anyone who kind of thinks that technology is going to come in and, 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 and magically solve uh, problems where there, there was humans, we all get frustrated going through these call centers. Uh, and, and so I think there's still a lot of evolution uh, to happen. And, and quite frankly, you know, more mature industries, um, uh, or solutions uh, have had scenarios where it, it's an equilibrium where they figure out the right use of technology and the right uh, involvement of humans uh, or, or workers to, to to reach that customer satisfaction point. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Let's go to Karen in Toronto. Hi, Karen. Hi. What would you like to add to our conversation? Well, this come not much with the technology, but it has something to do with working as a daycare provider. Mm-hmm. And I'm in my 60s, and I'm finding that I just recently lost my position as the children are getting older. So I'm finding it quite difficult in this field, um, even as an ECE and as a PSW, to enter the work mar- market again. So why did you lose your job? 
Oh, the kids are getting older. They're um, able to um, go to after-school care program in the community center instead of being picked up by me. Oh, I see. Uh, so you, your education, you've got your early childhood education diploma? Right. Okay. And so where, what kinds of places are you applying at? Oh, I'm applying as much as, as, well, as private nanny um, online as much as possible and going out there handing out my business cards, anything just to... I've been getting nibbles, but nothing is solid. They seem to choose... It's not that I, I have glowing references. It's just that I just... Um, I don't know what... They're not just taking me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I believe it's the younger the younger people are getting in because we the colleges are sending them in by the dime in the dozens. They are educating them further. Uh, Karen, I encourage you to stay with us uh, through till one o'clock because I will have a career counselor on the line for the second half. But I just want to go back to Sean Mullen here, executive director of the Brookfield Institute. Any advice you can offer Karen so that she can compete at the same level as as the younger people with their early childhood education? Well, uh, there's some good news, uh, at least from the technology perspective, uh, which is um, we looked at all the kind of jobs that are susceptible or, or, or that are low, are low risk from technological change. And the education profession, and particularly um, ECEs, early childhood educators, kindergarten teachers, these are the jobs that we think are, are going to demand is going to increase. Uh, technology is going to have very little impact on disrupting them, particularly because of that need for for human interaction um, uh, at that early age. And so uh, at least she doesn't have to worry about technology coming along and and eliminating her job. Uh, uh, But, you know, competition from other workers is obviously something uh, that's relevant for her. Karen, are you finding that uh, perhaps the the wage you would like to make is higher than what employers can pay the younger workers? And that's a biggest. That's another concern. They still want you to pay what you were starting out with fourteen dollars an hour, right? Opposed to what you're really worth. So, at this point of the game, being you know sixty four, I'm finding it just. I just want to continue working as much as possible. Um, and they don't want some, some, it depends, but again, people still want to stay within their $14 range to $15 range. And, and finding getting 20 is really hard. Yeah. As soon as you say that you. you, they say, what's your figure you would like? I would say, uh-uh, what do you think you can offer? What are you going to offer? Right. So I don't jump and jump and say I, I wish twenty. I just want to hear what they say. Right, and then you could negotiate a little bit. Yes. Right. But it, once you do that, they said everything is fine. You're looking good. You go out the door, and they said we're still interviewing more people. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the kicker. That's kind of heartbreaking because I've been in this field for so long. Right. And even as even and then as a backup, I had the PSW. Um, even I'm finding that. With all the society saying that they need people, I don't understand what's I'm more than willing, even to work at 14 at this point of the game, um, even as a PSW and as an ECE. But there's no, I get nibbles, but no takers. <laughs> well, I wish you all the best, Karen. Thanks for calling in and sharing your story. Yep. All right. You're listening to Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. Jane for Libby. Sean, I'm going to say goodbye. I thank you very much for your perspective and, and the information you've given us about technology in the workplace. It's my pleasure. Great to be here. Okay. Enjoy the rest of your Labor Day. And still thank to you. come, after a quick break, career changes in midlife is a career change for you. We'll speak with a career counselor coming up next. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby's Nimer on Zoomer Radio with guest host 
Jane Brown. We are live here at the Zoomerplex taking your calls today about work life into your Zoomer years. Has it changed? Is it the same? Are you still inspired every day? Looking perhaps to make a career change? I want to hear your stories. 416-360-0740. Toll free. 1-866-740-4740. Before we go to our career counselor, let's uh, take another call here. Ron in Hamilton. Go ahead. Ron. Hi. Hi. Um, well, I worked at International Harvester for 39.1 years. Congratulations. I don't know why you're doing that. Um, I, start, I started in the mailroom. It was an interdepartment correspondence expediter. Uh-huh. That's the mail boy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, in the... Uh, Transferred to the payroll and was a timekeeper for 37 years. And have you, re- have you retired, grade, Ron? I had grade 8 education. Right. And to start in the office, I needed my senior matric. Was, that was grade 13. Yes. The personnel manager asked me one day uh, after about three months, um, Ray, how long did you go to high school? I said, two years. He says, oh, grade 10, right? And I said, no. He said, what do you mean, no? I said, well, two years in grade nine. (laughs) Now, when did you retire, Ron? Uh, 95. In 1995. So what have you been doing since then? Enjoying your retirement? Have you done other work? No, 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 no. I've uh, delivered balloons. You what, sorry? Uh, delivered balloons for a living for uh, a year. Okay, delivered balloons, okay. Uh, yeah, that's interesting when uh, you deliver balloons into a bank and it's got double doors in the wintertime. Yes. <laughs> all right. And you walk in and all of a sudden the balloons start popping and people are laying on the floor. <laughs> and what else? And so you've done odd jobs then over the last uh, oh, 23 yeah, yeah, years? I, I've... Uh, uh, let's see. I think it was uh, I had a stroke uh, in '98. Around uh, 2005, I started uh, delivering uh, or uh, on dealer trades. Yeah, and that's interesting because uh, thank you, Ron, for your call. It's interesting that after retirement comes, in the case of people who are maybe now in their 80s, when retirement came and uh, 65 came along and you retired, maybe there have been odd jobs that you've done. I remember my step-grandfather, he retired after working at General Motors in his late 50s. This would have been back in the mid-70s, and he lived until 1993, and he was quite happy to work at McDonald's or, you know, to work in a factory on the line, maybe 20, 25 hours a week, just to interact and make some pocket change, and uh, quite enjoyed that. So there, there, there is a, another life out there once that traditional time at a company, because some people still do work for companies for 40 years and, and then retire. I think about school teachers, uh, other government positions like that. Let's go to our expert now so we can continue on with this conversation. On the line with us, career counselor Megan Reed. Hi, Megan. Hi, Jane. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. I, I'm enjoying the conversation today because those of us who are 50 plus, we, we bring a lot to the workforce. Uh, we have a lot of experience, a lot of stories to share. Uh, if you're looking for advice, I've got Megan on the line here till one o'clock. So get your phone calls in now. Also your stories, 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. Megan, let's talk about the reasons why someone 50 plus or 60-plus may want to change careers? Well, I would say um, at Canada Career Counseling, which is my firm in Toronto, we see a lot of boomers, and they can change jobs for a number of reasons. Um, One would be when the kids have exited the nest and the parents aren't financially responsible anymore. We do see a number of clients where they want to find purpose in their work. They want to do something that makes them feel good, and their life has been maybe really focused on their children and financially providing, and now they're not as concerned about money, and they want to do something that they enjoy. So they'll come to us to figure out, I don't know what I want to do. I've done this 
career for the last 30 years, but now I want to change and do something that I actually like. Mm. So that would be one, one main reason. I guess another um, reason, sometimes we get people who have been laid off, and again, they feel like it's that second chance or that opportunity to do something new that they really enjoy, but it's scary or intimidating because they've been in their role or with their company for a while, and it's like, what am I going to do next? So those are two, two really common reasons I'd say we see boomers. Um, what to do first, then, when you're in that position, regardless of the reason why? It seems like it, it may be monumental to tackle. So what are the steps to, to actually move forward and change careers? Well, I think there are a few things. I'd say it depends on the reason why you're making the change and how quickly you need to make the change if you need that change for financial reasons and you just need employment right away. If you do have that time to, I guess, take a step back and really figure out what is it that I want to do, that would be the first step. And, and I think then I would move to your professional branding. So professional branding is really how you put yourself out there in the world, how you present yourself. And, and in today's world, you do that in a few different ways. One is through your resume, and one is through your online presence, and third, your physical presentation. So I think retooling the resume would be the first thing, and especially for people who have been employed with the same company for a number of years, that can be quite challenging because maybe you haven't written a resume in 25-plus years. So that would be the first thing. Okay. Um, my uh, but what, but what, on, about if you're, what about if you're... Um, your work experience is not related to the career that you want to get into? Well, that's a, that's a great question. And what I would say is it's how you prepare your resume. So most people are quite familiar with that reverse chronological where you date back your employment over the years. And what I would recommend is switching things up and, and formulating your resume by a functional or skills-based resume. And what that means is at the, at the beginning of your resume, you start with a profile of yourself and then really bucket out your big transferable skills. So even if you're transitioning the type of work you're doing, if you can consider those underlying skills, whether it's sales or you know, customer service or interpersonal skills, communication skills, critical thinking skills. So it's kind of pulling away from those technical specifics and broadening out to those big skill sets that you have. And then, of course, beyond that, you would list, um, list some of your latest work experience, probably back about 10 to 15 years. You don't have to go all the way back to the beginning of your career. Um, and you would really highlight those transferable skills in the points that you put below each of those jobs. If you have a question or you're looking for advice or guidance from our career counselor, Megan Reed, on this Labor Day as we talk about older workers, give us a call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-744-740. Let's go to Joy in Markham. Hi, Joy. Well, good afternoon, Jane, and happy Labor Day to you. And to you. Yes, uh, thank you very much. Um, I'm happy to say... um, 25 years from now, I'll be 100 years old, let's put it that way. Okay. And I'm still actively employed. Um, now, my story goes back during the 70s when the recession was very, you know, um, adamant in the country. And um, I was working, actually went to school took a course in the key punch industry. Back then, you know, we did key punching, uh, card punch. Yes. I took the course for three months and was hired as an instructor thereafter. So I moved from there. The company closed down. I went to work for Coca-Cola. And back in the 70s, you know, the... Um, the country was going through uh, the recession, yes. so I had a few jobs here and there, and um, uh, long story short, I got laid off. So I went back to school again, and I took um, a course in the health field industry, which led me to what I'm doing currently. So I'm working currently as a PSW. Great. And... Um, is that, is that difficult um, work? Is that old. sorry to interrupt, Joy? Is that difficult work at the age of seventy-five? Because My it's, God, it sure is. Yeah. But you know what? It's the passion, 
and um, the empathy um, that I deliver mm-hmm. gives me a great satisfaction. That's wonderful. So, um, with that being said, um, you know, I encourage all seniors to remain active. I taught line dancing, I did ballroom dancing, so I'm not one to sit back waiting for the old rocking chair to get me. (laughs) So with that, I encourage all seniors to, you know, remain active um, as well as, you know, give what they can of themselves. Don't be selfish because, you know, when I'm in that rocking chair, I'm expecting or hoping that someone will be kind to me as I am to the seniors that I'm looking after. So anyways, my next thing is the, the modern technology. I don't even own a cell phone. Uh, my friends and family, they laugh at me because I'm not up to, you know, uh, speed with the new technology, but I'm comfortable with my landline. If you can't reach me at home, then leave me a message. Right. <laughs> That's my thing. And, so and how anyways, many... How just, many you know, I just want to yes. share my story. Hopefully there are people out there like myself who are not familiar with the modern technology. I do use some of it at work because I have to make charts on my daily activity rounds with my patients. Yes. So, you know, um, I'm happy to be still standing and walking and talking and all that stuff. And, Joy, do you work 40 hours a week, a full week, or is it part-time work? It's part-time. I've been working with this company for over 14 and a half years. Well, that is fantastic. And you don't, you don't see yourself... I worked with Coca-Cola for 17. So, yes. You know, um, with that being said, uh, it's part-time in a full-time capacity, um, you know, which is okay with me. I work um, 22 hours approximately per pay period a week. So I'm happy with that because, you know, I do have a pension, which comes in very handy. So. That's great. Thank you for sharing all of that with us, Joy. Yeah. Have a and nice day. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks for calling. Okay, then. Bye-bye. Bye now. That is an inspiring story, Megan, isn't it? It is, and I think it's a great call because um, what we see now is that half of boomers, and, and Joy is a traditionalist, but over half of boomers are now going to work beyond 66, or so they say. So so definitely a great story and a great example there. And, and also great because she can work her 22 hours a week, and it, it's not, because 40 hours a week when you're 75, I don't, I don't care what you do, you're going to be tired. So that, mm-hmm. it's, it's, to have that opportunity to work part-time, that's, that's a big part of what uh, changing careers in midlife can mean as well. I I agree, and I think it's really about understanding the changing landscape of work. So obviously a lot of people are aware that those long-term loyalty-based jobs where you stay in them your entire career until you retire is is kind of going by the wayside. It's not to say that it can't happen, but really now we're operating in a gig economy, which is you know, much more contract-based and skills-based. What are you outputting? And so I think that would be another um, consideration I would have, even for the boomers who are still in their 50s and may want to work that 40-hour work week, to consider alternative arrangements like consulting or, like like Joy's case, part-time work or other non-traditional arrangements, sometimes even remote work, so not actually needing to go into a workplace and working online or on the phone. Megan, we need to take a quick break. And also, those of you who are hanging on the phone, I will get to your calls. Uh, well, when we come back on the other side of this quick break, uh, let's, Megan, talk about going back to school when you're 50 or 60 plus. That's coming up next sure. on Zoomer Radio. CARP works hard to support the needs of Canadians as they age. But did you know your CARP card works just as hard to save you money? Like 20% every day at Rexall and Rexall Pharma Plus on thousands of regular-priced Rexall private brand items. Simply show your current CARP membership card at checkout and save. Ask a Rexall associate for details or visit carp.ca slash save at Rexall. Save today and every day with CARP. 
Sweet. That's so awesome. Read reviews of Epson's new EcoTank ET2750 printer. You'll see phrases like flawless and excellent. Print up to 5,000 pages without changing the cartridge. For back to school, buy the totally cartridge-free EcoTank at Staples, Best Buy, and Epson.ca slash EcoTank. Another valued golden rule from Paul Kenny of Consignment Heroes. If it's over $50, it's a vase. If it's under $50, it's a vase. Describe your stuff to us. Call in to Consignment Heroes Sunday at 11 on Zoomer Radio. On Saturday, September 8th, Paul and Bogart will be among the hundreds of top dealers at the Christie Antique and Vintage Show at Christie Lake Conservation Area in Dundas. Purchase your tickets for Canada's largest antique show in advance at christyshow.ca or at the gate. Chip reverse mortgage from Home Equity Bank. There's no retirement like home. Visit chipradio.ca. Do I actually have to say it? Yep. I have a beautiful body. Not buying it. Again. I have a beautiful body. Better, but I think you've got more in you. I have a beautiful body. Yes, you do. It's not easy for most of us to say. At Swimco, we want to change that. We want everyone to feel good half naked. Yep. Shop swimwear and accessories at Swimco. Visit us in Square One, Lime Ridge Mall, or shop online at swimco.com. Hi, I'm Cherry Tab, co-founder of the Herzig Eye Institute. Have you had your I've had it moment yet? I've had it with glasses. I've had it with contacts. I've had it with cataracts. I've had it with bad night vision, bad reading vision, bad vision, period. Instead, say, I've had it. I've had my vision corrected at Herzig, and it's wonderful. Don't wait. Google high-definition vision. Learn about Herzig. Call us for a consultation. There's no charge. Look after yourself. Promise me. Fight back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. On this Labor Day, we're talking about work life in your Zoomer years and welcoming you to the conversation as well. 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. On the line with us, career counsellor Megan Reed. I want to talk about going back to school, uh, evenings, part-time, um, because it's not always possible to leave your full-time job in your 50s or 60s and, and spend that money to go back to school. Do you have some advice around that area? Well, I think even what you mentioned with that part-time education, evenings and weekends, is a great idea. I think there's other forms of education people can consider as well that are more informal. So things like workshops or specific training programs, um, other forms of professional development, even things like computer courses to build up those tech skills because you know, even though Joy didn't require those skills in her, her position, I think a lot of careers now really look for those technical skills. So I think there are opportunities out there, some are through the government, and they don't have to be expensive or long-term because it's really about just keeping those skills sharp. And especially if you're considering a transition into a new field or a new industry where you may not have certain skills, that's, that's where I would recommend it. Let's get back to the phones. Uh, we'll go to Margaret in Thornhill. Hi, Margaret. Go ahead. Oh, hi. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Jane. Yes. How good are afternoon. you today? Fine, thanks. That's good. It's a beautiful day. Anyway, um, let's talk about myself. Um, I was educated in London, England. I went. I did senior matric. Went to Cambridge and Pippins College. I had very high speeds. And at the time, I worked for the Jewish Commonwealth Register. I wasn't getting much shorthand. My mother put me back into college to speed up my shorthand, which I did. After that, I came to Canada in the 50s, in 54, and I started working for Sitzer and Sitzer. I was getting only $30 a week doing real estate law. Mm-hmm. And after that, uh, I uh, moved on to other uh, firms like Cole Barnes and Schiff, so forth. And uh, my mother believed strictly in education. We had money. We were a very rich family. My brother, Jack, he became a surgeon. He studied in London, England, uh, FRCS, FRCP. My brother, Moses, studied accountancy, went to Australia, was the head of a big company. My mother believed strictly in education. We were seven of us in the family. 
And when I started working for lawyers, I remember the underwood typewriter. You just bang on it, no electric or anything like that. Right. And finally, we got into electricity, and I was so angry when my typewriter was taken away when I went to the washroom, and then I got something different. I said, how am I going to do my work when I'm not used to electric? But I had to get used to it because times were changing. And uh, I worked six years, uh, eight years in one law firm, uh, which was... um, uh, quite a big firm, uh, 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 Spratt, worked for Bob Spratt at uh, uh, Crow Barnes and Schiff, and I kept working, and I enjoyed it. And my message is to everybody, education is a very important factor. Not, not only is it important, is if you're in a country and, uh, and, uh, and, and you leave and uh, you're, you're taken out of your country or anything happens, Education is important. You can go anywhere with that education if you're a doctor, a nurse, a secretary, whatever it is. So my my actual rule of thumbs is people should take advantage of education and be something and work. And, and you'll feel so grateful that you have done what you have done. I worked 45 years for lawyers. I loved it. I wish I went into law, but it was too late for me. And that's my story. Oh, it was a great story. <laughs> Thank you, Margaret. Thank you for Thank sharing. Thank you for having me. You take care, dear. Okay, Bye. you too. Megan, that's, um, that is great advice, isn't it? Education is never wasted. No, education is never wasted. And I think even beyond that, what uh, Margaret mentioned in having to learn with, with, you know, getting the electric typewriter, it's a growth mindset. So really at any age to have an open mindset that you keep learning. And that's something we see. It comes from education, but psychologically, oftentimes people have a fixed mindset. They aren't open to learning anymore. They feel like, I know what I know, and this is it. And as the world continues to evolve and change, having that growth mindset and and looking at the possibilities of what you can learn is amazing. And neurologically, it keeps your mind sharp and keeps your mind growing. So I think continuing education is great. My only caveat there, Jane, is that oftentimes I see people assume that they need more education. And one of the benefits of being a boomer or someone who has more work experience is you've often developed a number of transferable skills throughout your career. And sometimes you can use those skills or leverage those skills into a new career. So it's never, education is never a bad idea. It's just not always necessary to, to move into a new career. So in other words, you may be educated, but not even realize it. Yeah, I once, uh, like one of my clients, she was 49, so she's a a bit on the younger side, maybe just at the tail end of of Gen X. She had no university education, and she came to me thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to need to go to school if I want a new job. She had worked in insurance. And uh, through the work that we did together, she got so clear on what she wanted to do, learned the tools that she needed to make the transition, one of which was using her network. And she ended up having a company create a position for her at a director level where she was making over $200,000, no university education. Oh, wow. Good for her and good for you. You must be a good career counselor. <laughs> All right, let's, let's get back here to uh, John in Oshawa. John, go ahead. You're on Zoomer Radio. Oh, John, you've got to turn me down there. We're, we have a seven-second delay. Yeah, turn down the radio, John. Jane, yes. I know, I understand. What I just, I'll make my point brief. I just like to say there's a lot of work in trades out there for the young people and a lot of hands-on work, like not necessarily this advanced technology. But uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I urge anybody to go to their unions. They'll educate them right there. Your mill writing, your pipe fitting, your plumb, everything. There's a whole variety of jobs without this technology. So I just wanted to add that. And I listen to your show and watch you in the morning on the app. Oh, very, very good. good. Thank, thank you. Thank you, John. Thanks for calling in. That's a good point, too, Megan. Um, in terms of tradespeople, certainly... Most of the people, I think there was a big push about 10 years ago that you you better start pushing young people into the trades because so many people were going off to university that it was leaving a glut for, from those who were retiring from the trades, bricklayers and, and tile setters and so on. Uh, so there can be a lot of money to be made in that at, at various points of life, I would think. 
Yeah, that's that's definitely the case. And there still is that push towards trades. And I think my generation, I'm a millennial, um, we were so heavily pushed towards university, yes. that being the best thing. And I think that's that's a message society gave us. It's not necessarily true for everyone. And again, it's not to dismiss education or university. They're great options, but they're not necessarily the only option or the best one. And I think trades is a great alternative. It's one that, yes, can be really financially lucrative. There's a lot of boomers aging out and traditionalists aging out, so there's there's space to be filled. And really, it's figuring out, for me, especially as a boomer, what do you really enjoy? Where do you get your sense of purpose? What do you like? And I know just another client example, I had someone who came to me, they had been 17 years in one of the big banks wearing a suit and tie every day. They hated what they did for over the last 10 years. They got to a point, they came and worked with me. They decided to become a welder. That, that, the initial course was three months. They took a leave of absence and started in on that course before they quit their job. So definitely possible. Oh, that's a great story. We only have just a couple minutes left, so I want to get to uh, Rosanna in Woodbridge. Uh, You've been waiting a while. Rosanna, go ahead. First time caller. (laughs) Rosanna, you still on the line or did you give up on me? I'm here. Just a second. What's going on here? Okay, just turn down the radio and tell us what you want to share. I just want to say that I'm a senior, uh, well over the 65 mark. I'm still working. I'm a widow with no children. And for me to get up in the morning and get ready, it gives me a purpose. I feel younger than I am. I love my clients. I And you were talking about experience, but the young people today don't have the etiquette and the manners that maybe we were taught as youngsters and brought that forward. I just wanted uh, your listener. I listen to your radio station all the time. And I just want you to know that I feel great. And I, I hope to be able to work for another few years. And... Um, contribute, if you will, yes. to what I'm doing. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Rosanna. It was a pleasure, really, and have a great day, ladies. You too. Megan, uh, that's a good point, too, in terms of what we can learn from each other, the different generations. That's a, a big part of what Moses Nimer believes here at Zoomer Media. We have people working who are as young as in their early 20s to as old as about 80, and we're all learning from each other in the workplace. Agreed. It's the first time we've had four generations in the workplace at one time. There is a lot to learn. There's already a big conversation around diversity, and we think about things like like gender and um, race, ethnicity, culture, and age is just another one of those diversity factors. No, absolutely. I've really enjoyed what you've had to say, and, and um, you mentioned there that you have clients uh, for people who'd like to give you a call off the air. Uh, Why don't you give yourself a plug there, how we can get a hold of you? Sure. So I own a firm that operates across the country. It's called Canada Career Counseling, and we are psychologists that help. So we're career and workplace psychologists. Uh, Our number is 647-637-1579, or you can look us up online at canadacareercounseling.com. We also have Twitter. We have LinkedIn. We have Facebook. Um, and we would be happy to chat with you about any of your career concerns. Great. CanadaCareerCounseling.com. And the phone number again, 647-637-1579. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.